This is my podcast where I deep dive into matters surrounding HR tech and the future of work. I was a former HR serial entrepreneur and write extensively about the future of work on my blog. You may know me better through the Singapore HR tech market map that I created in 2017. In this podcast, I speak with the people who are enabling the future of work. From mindfulness coach to employee engagement platform, they are all helping companies to better navigate rising work and business demands. I'm hoping that sharing in this podcast will help you better prepare yourself and your business for what the future of work may bring. My guest today is Dr. Wolfram Yust. He has been a member of our MCAC executive board since April 2019. Hi, Dr. Yost. Welcome onto the show. We finally get to speak after a, quite a number of rescheduling, but really excited to speak with you today to learn more about uh, what you're doing. So maybe for a start, could you help us to understand uh, a bit about your background and the chain of events that led you to where you are today? Yeah, my name is Wolfram Joost and I'm from Germany. Yeah, in my career, I had yeah, three major steps. I studied business science in Germany in a small city close to the French border. And after my time at the university, I joined a small company, which was called uh, IDS Share. But the company grew very fast. After five, six years, it was a company of 3,000 and 4,000 people. I was a board member of that company. <clears throat> and then the company was sold to another German company, Software AG, a bigger company, the second biggest software company in Germany, and I was also 10 years board member of this company. And then three years ago, I joined uh, IMC, a company I knew since its foundation, because the founders of IMC had been colleagues of mine during my study at the university. And I do understand today the key thing that we want to discuss about would be on learning analytics, which is one of the key thing that IMC focuses on. For audiences who may not be familiar, could you help us to better understand what exactly is learning analytics and how is it being applied? Yeah, to understand learning analytics, I think it's important to understand analytics in general. So when we talk about software, when we talk about business applications, analytics is very often named. And analytics on a high level is nothing else than yeah, doing the math on data. You have mathematical operations like addition, multiplication, subtraction, and you apply these mathematical rules to data sitting in a database. And you do this to get insight and transparency into the data. And you do this to support decision management, meaning analytics in one sentence means doing better and faster decisions. And of course, decision management is needed in all areas in a company, also in learning and development. But in the past, learning and development was missing the analytics component. And in my opinion, it's very important that learning and development also applies analytics and analytics capabilities to their data to really support faster and better decisions because decisions is what we all do every day. And the better the data, the better our decisions. And therefore, I'm a big fan of learning analytics to support better decisions in learning and development. Could you give an example on new decisions specifically that could be made 
due to the availability of analytics, which otherwise may not even have come across the minds of L&D people in the traditional sense. Yeah, there are some simple things like uh, quality of courses. So what courses are booked very often, what courses are not booked very often, which courses get good feedback, which courses get not so good feedback, should I more invest in uh, uh, VPTs, should I more invest in videos, where should I put my money in when it comes to creating learning nuggets or learning content. Or other topics, what is the fail rate of my people? Or other topics, for example, is what is the business outcome of my learning? Meaning, if I now had an initiative for training all my salespeople, do I see impact on my revenue? Do I see impact on my customer satisfaction? Meaning, we don't do learning for doing learning. We do learning to have better business outcomes. And therefore, I have to measure whether my learning investment leads to better business outcomes. And business outcomes are more revenue with products, higher customer satisfaction, less customer complaints. So we have to put this into relationships. That really makes a lot of sense because from the traditional sense, a lot of company, like you said, just go through learning for sake of learning because they may have this set amount of budget they need to expense by year end. And they just go ahead and just get people to randomly pick something, something will stick on the wall. But using an analytics perspective, it really helps people to better understand what doesn't and of course move in the right direction. So how do you foresee this impact organizations in a larger sense? You did mention about revenue and all that. Are there other tangibles that a company can look forward to acquire based on application of a very extensive analytics within the learning space? Yeah, it's not only looking to revenue, it's in general, it's the relationship between investment in learning and business outcome. It's not enough only to invest in learning because we all believe it's important. That's too easy. Yeah, meaning it's not enough to say, oh, last year we could add 10 courses. Oh, last year we had 10% more people going to trainings. Or, or last year we had been able to increase our training budget of 10%. This is all input, but this is not output. And we have to look from the output side. It doesn't matter how many courses we have. It doesn't matter how many trainings we have. All that matters is what is the impact on our business. <coughs> Sorry. And that's what we have to measure. And uh, managers in a company look to outcomes. If the HR manager goes to his boss and says, oh, we need more budget for learning, the manager can say, why? Yeah, because we need more courses. That's the, the wrong answer. Yeah. The answer is always on business outcomes. So the answer is, if we put more money in training and learning and development for our salespeople, we can sell more cars or we can improve our customer satisfaction or we can reduce customer complaints. And this is what people from learning and development have to understand. It's not enough to say, oh, learning and development is important. That's too easy. Why is it important? And where is the impact? And if money gets this and this, and if the budget 
gets more difficult to get, you have to have better arguments for your top management to get more budget. And the only way to get these arguments to your management is show them analytics dashboards, show them the trend, meaning if we have this new trainings in Brazil, is there any impact on outcome compared to Germany where the trainings did not take place? So where can we see patterns? Where can we see impact from specific trainings to specific business KPIs? And this is something that the learning and development people have to understand. It's not enough to say we all believe that learning is important, therefore let's put money in it. That's not sufficient. We have to measure it. And for an organization that may not have all this in place, what would be your advice in for them to take some baby steps and move towards analytics? Yeah, the first is that you have to be clear about your, your data set, meaning you have an LMS or an LXP or whatever system you have where you store your data. The first step is that you define your metrics, meaning what information is important for you regarding learners, regarding teachers, regarding learning content. And if you have to find your metrics on a paper, then you have to evaluate whether this metrics works for the decision makers. You don't need systems for that. But then if the decision maker said, yes, I want to have these dashboards and these KPIs, then you have to go to implement a learning analytics component. And we are delivering this together with our LMS, meaning all the data which are stored in our LMS are transferred to the learning analytics database. We have out-of-the-box dashboards. We have predefined dashboards. But customers can also define their own metrics. and their own dashboards. And then you start at the beginning, you, you have one dashboard with four KPIs, then you go two dashboards with 10 KPIs. And then you learn as you go and you will see what information is needed to make better decisions. But this getting a better insight into the efficiency of your training activities is important to further get budget, to even get more budget. And that's what we are now doing. And we will have our first version of learning analytics available at the beginning of next year. And the first feedback from customers is very promising because you see that was the missing part in learning and development that we can now measure the impact of training on business performance and business outcome. And so be better able to put the money we spend at the right place, at the right point. Based on the experience you have with your early data set of uh, customers, uh, are there any trends, any surprises that you were able to observe from the collective data sets? Yeah, for example, that uh, learning and development responsible people follow trends without measuring the impact. So this is, for example, the type of learning element. So are we going more to videos? Are we going more to VBTs? 
or are we going more to, let's say, a type of Q&A? And uh, then you can see which type of media is better suited for which type of learner and for which type of uh, content. That learners are different. Learners are not the same. And you know that there is a trend of individualization of training so that people get a more individualized, let's say, presentation of training material. And with learning analytics, you can cluster your people, your learners, in groups with a, let's say, common learning capability. So these are the learners who are very much fond of having videos. The others are way more textual oriented. The others are way more interactive Q&A session oriented. So learners are different. People don't learn in the same way. And it's not enough to have one approach, say one element to all my learners. And if you want to individualize your training, you have to measure what works for which type of learner and which type of content. And that was surprising that there is so much difference between the learners, how they better consume and learn new things. I wish this same approach could be applied into our schooling system and recognize that uh, not just for adult learners, but also students, adolescents, uh, actually learn in a very different manner and cater exactly. according to them. And of course, with the reach that you have, I'm very certain you have users across different countries. Are, are you also seeing data that shows perhaps certain trends on how users from specific countries may tend to gravitate towards a certain kind of content or learn in a different manner versus others? No, we just started this rollout with, uh, let's say, the German, Switzerland, and Austria region. So we are going now from this region, and then we are going to, to Europe, and then we are going to international. But the, as we said, also with the schooling, this trend that we don't treat learners as one homogeneous group is very important. If you want to be efficient with your training, you have to look from the learners backward. We need a backward thinking in training. That's what we don't do. Most learning and development departments don't have a backward thinking. They look from internal, from their point of view, to the learner. No, you have to look from the learner backwards and to see how can I serve the learner best. And if you want to have a a backward thinking from learners, you need analytics because only with this insight you get from analytics, you can differentiate different types of learners. When they learn best, how they learn best, and what they learn best. So this individualization of learning and development goes hand in hand with analytics. If you can't measure it, you can't manage it. And as you mentioned earlier on, of course, it requires a fair bit of individualization as well as personalization because person A may, I may prefer to learn through listening to podcasts, you may prefer to watch a video instead. And that is something that many traditional LMS, learning management system, isn't able to accommodate. You mentioned earlier on, of course, there's things like LXP, which you guys also provide. For listeners that is not familiar with this term, could you elaborate or define what exactly is LXP and how can it help to solve that problem? Exactly. And this experience thinking, we are talking uh, about customer experience, supplier experience. We have to think more about learner experience. That's what we have to improve. If we want to have higher engagement from our learners, 
if learner is not something my boss told me to do, if learning is something which I believe is important for me and the company, then we have to improve the learner experience. We have to make it easier for learners to access content, to search content, to consume content. And we have to make it way more on an individual basis than a one-to-many approach, like in a university where you have one professor and then you have thousands of students. And all they get the same approach from this one professor. Yeah. So this is, I think, not the future of learning and development. And this coming from the learner experience. So some people learn better in the morning. Some people learn better in the evening. Some people learn better small nuggets. Some people learn better bigger nuggets. Some people are more visual oriented. Some people are more textual oriented. And this is not a homogeneous group of learners. This is a heterogeneous group of learners. And to sort that out, you need measurements. You need better insights. You have to measure the feedback. And that's all about uh, learning analytics. And in the case of applying all this across uh, different organizations, I can imagine for the L&D people, it seems to be quite a handful in trying to grasp and understand all these different ways of putting together things, which I can also imagine a lot of work when it comes to authoring. Because if you if the same content, you have to repurpose in video, into podcasts, into PDF, PowerPoint, etc., etc. To be honest, that sounds like a lot of work. Would, would there actually be an easy way to resolve that? Yeah, so we, and this is another trend, is this uh, user-generated content, meaning today the learning and development processes are still very formal, highly governed, highly complex, meaning it takes a lot of time to, to define the content, to create the content, to validate new content, to publish the content, to provide the content, to get access to the content. So this is a very formal, very heavyweight process. And that doesn't work in a, let's say, dynamic world. So therefore, what we also have developed is a new authoring tool for user-generated content. Means that not only the experts are able to generate content, also the business people who have the knowledge in their mind are able to create content in a very simple, easy, and a very fast way. And then you have an idea and you create a small piece of content with this tool. You can do that in an hour and then you publish it to a channel and people can subscribe to it. So this whole life cycle from there is an idea for a new content until content is available for consumption. This needs to be shortened. It takes too long. Yeah. So if I have to train my people in machine learning, I, ha I don't have two years time. So I have to do it very fast. And uh, therefore, there is a new type of learning, which is more what we call self-directed learning meaning that the learner gets way more power. The learner is not only a learner, the learner can also be a content creator. So meaning the roles are mixing and we don't have this static, this is the learner and the learner only can learn, this is the teacher and the teacher can only teach and this is the administrator and he can administer. So we have to be way more 
flexible. A teacher can also be a learner, and a learner maybe also be a teacher somehow, and a learner can be a content creator. So with the right tools and with the right experiences, that's possible. So this classical, highly governed, highly structured, heavyweight, and highly expensive processes, they are not the future. Yeah, They may be relevant for some very specific types of learning, but this involved the masses in content creating is also a trend we see and where we provide solutions. You, you reminded me of something I read before that the best way to learn is to teach that topic to someone else. Yeah. And in your case, of course, it means, like you said earlier on, the learner can be a teacher, teacher can be a learner, and in the end, all of us learn together. Given yeah, your uh, experience, yeah, given your experience in this space and is pretty extensive, how do you what do you foresee to be the future of learning as we move into, of course, what we is I would consider as an old normal because the new normal has been around for some time. What do you <laughs> see to be the future of learning? Yeah, so I think there there are two or three major trends. So one trend clearly is individualization, meaning you can't have the approach that you serve all the learners with the same approach, meaning individualization of content, individualization of processes. The other trend is that with learning analytics applied to the learning processes, you get way better transparency insights and you can make decisions faster and better. Together with that, this relationship between learning and business outcome will become a very important aspect. If a learning and development responsible person is not able to communicate the business success of learning, he will have a hard time in the future. So business outcome orientation is one. Individualization is second. And the third is this self-directed learning, meaning that you have to look from the learner backwards. You have to put the learner in the center of the learning and development processes. And you have to give learners more flexibility when they learn, how they learn, what they learn. You have to put the learner also as a content creator, meaning learners have knowledge so they can create also content for other people who need this knowledge and also this mixture of learner and teaching. So as you said, you only understand something if you can teach it in an easy way. If you are not able to teach what you have learned, you really don't really uh, understood it. Yeah? So again, individualization, business outcome orientation, analytics applied, and also the self-directed learning, meaning that we are developing a new capability, which is channels, meaning channels are, let's say, is a new type of yeah, learning approach where all people in the company are able to create content and to publish it into specific channels and where the channels are available for all the people in the company, meaning this life cycle gets much faster. So these are the main trends that I see for the future. And the overall trend is learning needs to contribute 
to the business success of the company. That's the overarching trend. And I believe these are all the trends that IMC would be also capturing or leveraging on over the coming years? Yeah, yeah, we are. So I think we are a pioneer in learning analytics. We are a pioneer in user-generated content. I think we are one of the first companies putting business outcome as the overarching goal of learning onto the table. And also with the self-directed, we want to have a side-by-side approach between directed learning and self-directed learning. We are also an innovator in that space. So we are following all this for let's say, innovation areas, and we really have to find innovation areas where people are focusing on self-directed learning, user-generated content, analytics, business outcome orientation. So that is how we have organized our R&D department and product management department. Exciting days. Uh, And for people who is keen to learn more about yourself as well as uh, IMC, where should they go to? Yeah, I think they they can contact us. I think we have a pretty good website. There are all people listed, people from marketing, people from product management, people from sales. And if somebody needs more information, go to the website, try to contact us, and we are very responsive. And we will come back to you and provide you the information which are needed. Thank you so much. This and all will be placed into the show notes. Once again, Dr. Yours, thank you for coming onto the show. Happy and lovely speaking with you. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to the podcast. You can refer to the show notes for links to more information about our guests and their businesses. If you enjoyed this podcast, it will be helpful to give a review on iTunes or follow me on Spotify. If you are using Overcast, please hit the star button under the episode. That will help get this episode and podcast out to more people who may find it useful. I'll see you in the next episode of The Agent Han Show.